Pokémon. facts that you don't know and i'm like fuck it i'm bored it's COVID. so i click on You're it like, fine and they've actually been really helpful for spooky oh, fun well, yeah that's why i follow like hornet and yeah. stuff like that because they have really fun articles that give me ideas so this one's just a fun little like ha huh, that, that's interesting to know nice okay well yeah let's start tell me about it hello everybody hey. welcome to anyways has your sex life we are your spooky hosts i'm channa and i'm Corey. welcome to episode 74 y'all Y'all. We're here. We're queer. The only announcement we have is a reminder. We are watching The Purge this month. Ooh, yeah. So make sure you do that. Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. Or, you know, or fuck you. <laughs> Be Other it. announcement that I forgot to mention in the last episode, but I always say this, so y'all should know by now. You can check us out on Instagram. Oh, Our yeah. Instagram is AHYSL Podcast. Check us out on Facebook. Again, AHYSL Podcast. Go to our website, which is AHYSLpodcast.com. The, all that fun stuff. There's a lot of ways to check up on us, slide into our DMs. It's super fun. Hey. So join us on social media. Join us. Join us. Come join us. Come join us. Yes. yes. Okay, yeah. So I don't start. You don't? No. Yeah. Hi, Simone. Hey, Mama. Simone is here with us today. S'mores is somewhere else. I have a heating pad, Simone. Oh, Simone Bones. She's like, bitch, someone say heating pad. Anyways. We are going to start off with a fun little spooky scoop today. Yes. Then we're going to go into a fag of fact, and then we're going into my true crime segment. Fuck yeah. Ooh. My tits are ready. Hi, Simone. So my spooky scoop was just something cute. Like a little cute, cute, cute little shit a nugget, I found out. A spooky nugget. Like a little spooky nugget. It's like a really adorable little like, woo. Yeah, Like fuck dinosaur-shaped out. nugget. Ugh. So there is a place, a little town in Michigan and it is Hell, Michigan. Yeah. So it first was settled in 1838 by George Reeves. Hell started out as a grist mill. Nice. And a general store on the banks of what is now called Hell Creek. George's habit of, of paying the local farmers for their grain with home distilled whiskey led many wives to comment, he's gone to hell again. Um, one question about their husband's whereabouts during harvest time. The name stuck and hell became the official town name in 1841. That's, that's pretty funny. The rest <laughs> is history. So what's really fun about hell is if you go to their website, which is go to hellmi.com, um, they really play off the whole go to hell Satan thing. It's like, a, it's I want to go because it's such like a tourist trap. I love it. But in Missouri? In Michigan. Oh, okay. So they're like right at the top of their website. It says, welcome back to hell. We're open daily. <laughs> and then they have you can get married in hell they have a little chapel Aww. they have scream souvenirs from hell and uh, and halloween they have the hellhole diner and all of halloween their, yeah halloween that's cool they have a hellhole diner and all of their food is named after um like hell and like demons like and all hell that demon themed yeah. yeah they have a like hell and satan themed like putt putt mini golf they have a hell saloon. Um, I want to go there, get on Halloween and celebrate Halloween, get married, and then do putt putt golf. Right. They have the crematory at Screams, which is just an ice cream place, but they make it look like a like a crematorium. Whole... Yeah, exactly. Um, they have, let's see, a hell saloon, which has it looks like hell. You can buy a piece of hell, so you can. You can become an official property owner of Hell, Michigan. Aww. So, yes, you can buy your own square inch of Hell and become part of the elite group of individuals known as the Hell Landowner Society. Oh, my God. Which is amazing. Um, there is a Locks of Love Bridge, which you guys have seen. Like, in Paris, they, they used to have it, but they took it down because uh-huh. of the weight. And um, the bridge that all the locks are on is over the Hell Creek River. Uh. Um, you can become the mayor of Hell if you want. There's bus tours. They have the Damnation University. What the fuck? Hell is home to the prestigious Damnation University. This institution of higher learning awards over 100 different types of degrees. Come receive what? your Damn You diploma at the Scream Souvenirs from Hell and Halloween. 
They have a, you can canoe and a kayak and they have an official post office, which has like everything postmarked and stamped from hell. Super fun, like postcards. I want that. You can get like pictures with Satan. Like they have oh, all this, this shit, y'all. It's amazing. I they would have, like to go there a lot. They have like so much tourist trap shit. I'm so, I'm, I'm just here for it. Holy shit. That sounds so fun. It's amazing. So everyone should definitely go to hell, Michigan, or at least buy a piece of hell. Because now my life goal is to go to Hell, Michigan. And currently, right now, it is 72 degrees Fahrenheit with light rain. Ooh. Oh, and then they have a little slogan. It says, more people tell you to go to our town than anywhere else on Earth. Because everyone says go to Hell. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that is Hell, oh, Michigan. Hell, Michigan. Love you, Hell, Michigan. Cute. Cute. Okay, so my um, faggot fact today because I am in Boise currently, as you are listening to this. Not really. You're still in Idaho because next week's just Friday, my birthday. You're still here. Oh, I am. You're still here. Okay, Corey. I'm You're still, still here. here. God damn it. For like still fucking one more here. day. We have or one more night. I will be going. Yeah, I will be going to Boise. I didn't know this happened, but my fact fact today is on the Boise homosexuality scandal. Ooh, perfect timing. <laughs> so this gets pretty big, okay? And it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty serious and sad part of it, uh, most of it, but it's just really crazy, okay? Well, way to save your sad faggot fact for my sad ass. Oh, I know. <laughs> my sad ass true crime segment. <laughs> So the Boise homosexuality scandal refers to a sweeping investigation of a supposed homosexual underground in Boise, Idaho that started in 1955. So it began with the arrest of three men in October of 1955. And then the investigation broadened to encompass allegations that over 100 young men and teenage boys had been involved in sexual acts with a ring of adult homosexual men. Isn't that crazy? In Boise. Yeah. In fucking Boise. In 1955. So by the time the investigation uh, wound down in January of 1957, over over 1,500 people had been questioned. 16 men faced charges, and 15 of them were sentenced to terms ranging from probation to life in prison. To life? Yeah, I'll get into that in a second. Holy fuck. So there is a part of this that is super true. And it has to deal with older men uh, dealing with, uh, like, less privileged or, like, renegade boys or, like, homeless uh, youth and taking advantage of them in a a YMCA. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is sort of an an underground ring going on. But it it literally was, like, involved with, like, I'm going to go through it, but I just want to be very clear right here at the beginning. That it involved, like, four to six boys and involved a a few of the men that were convicted. But the reason why I'm bringing this up, and this is also still serious, is that this sort of fed into the gay panic uh, of the 1950s with, you know, the whole Red Square and communism and homosexuality being Mm. one of those marginalized groups that everyone could put into a box and, you know, be like, oh, no, you're a communist because you're gay, so we're going to fucking, you know you know, marginalize you and take advantage of you and, you know, be abusive and prejudice and shit. So I just want to say that part of this was real and should have been reacted with like, holy fuck, let's find these people and fucking send them to jail. But of the 16, it only seems like three or four of them were, um, were actually doing what they were convicted of and the rest were just homosexuals. And Mm -hmm. because it was the 1950, most of them spent five to 15, to 15 years in jail in prison just for being gay just for literally being gay and the ones who got like the life sentences those are like the bad dudes um or eh, or to the point really yeah i think there are only like two or three life sentences of the 16 but most of most of the 16 were between 5 and 15 years how old were these guys that how like Um, all ages uh 30s 40s 50s okay i was gonna say i was like if you got like a really young kid. They could almost uh-huh. still be alive right yeah, now. Yeah, well, some of the kid, yeah, some of the kids were actually convicted of this too. Um, and I didn't get into all of that because it got a little convoluted. Yeah. But um, so let's let's go through like the sort of course of events that happened. Yes. So the so. first arrests uh, that happened were in October thirty first. Yeah, Halloween. Happy Halloween. Of nineteen fifty five. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Following an investigation by private detective Howard Dice. So remember him. 
Um, so Howard Dice, uh, um, as he like, because he was a private detective, and he was he did the first arrest. So when these arrests were announced, um, one of the guys who's a probation officer by the name of uh, Emery Bess, remember Bess, he said publicly that this only scratched the surface of a child molestation activities that were happening in Boise. Um, that were involving several adults and over 100 teenagers. According to the chief of Boise Police Department at the time by the name of Jim Brandon. So remember those three guys. Howard Dice, who is the private detective. Okay. Then Emery Bess, who is the probation officer. And then Boise Police Department chief Jim Brandon. Uh, I'll, I'll refer back to their titles when I say them again. According to the chief police dude, he said the investigation began when the local YMCA became concerned about the kids of, of people... Uh, the kinds of people who were staying at the place because they were they like noticing people that would drop by and stay by and they were like what the fuck is going on this looks sketch and weird and what, mm. what the fuck's going on so dice who is the private detective had an unnamed client um so this unnamed client was a lawyer that was connected with the ymca um who also was connected to the power elite of boise who hired dice specifically to start doing this. So that sounds yeah. semi-normal, but obviously it's not going to be semi-normal. It's going to get a little bit conspiratorial yeah. here in a second. So I'm... Dice offic- or initially discovered nothing, then began speaking with some youths who told him about juvenile delinquents who congregated, quote-unquote juvenile delinquents, who congregated at the YMCA and who engaged in homosexual acts with adult men. So this ends up being real to a point, which is good that it was found out. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck pedophilia. Um, what is bad is the panic that happens after this. With the involvement of underage males, probation officer Bess became involved and, according to Brandon, compiled a list of 75 youths supposedly involved in homosexual activity. So that's like the beginnings of it. So the Idaho Statesman, which is Boise's daily newspaper and only daily newspaper at the time, reported the arrests on November 2nd, so just two days later, and these news of the arrest ignited panic in the cities of mm. in, in the citizens of Boise. Mothers called the high school, called the police, called each other, turning in just anybody they could think of who was flamboyant like or a, looked at men or who they didn't like. Just literally, it literally becomes a gay witch hunt. Yeah, I was about to say it's like a modern day witch hunt. Yep, it is a gay witch hunt. That's um, crazy. Yeah, so they were turning in names of people who were suspected perverts, quote-unquote perverts. Oh, my God. Um, and feeding their own fears and just feeding each other fears. They were just totally just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, all these homosexual men are going to come. They're and taking just over like, poison! They're going to not only rape our kids and destroy their life, Ugh. but by raping them, they're going to turn them into homosexuals themselves. Oh, my God. Um, on November 3rd, the paper ran an editorial underneath the headline, Crush the Monster. Oh! <gasps> In it, the editors called homosexuality everything from a moral perversion to a cancerous cancerous growth <gasps> that calls for immediate and systematic cauterization. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Uh, they went on during this. So in the background, while all I'm talking about happens, the whole time the media is just releasing, you know, paper after paper after paper, just fear mongering, basically. Jesus Christ. Time. Yeah. So the panic, this panic even skyrocketed again, or like even more, with the arrest of a guy by the name of Joe Moore, who was the vice president of the Idaho First National Bank. So he's another city elite, obviously. And he was arrested because he basically committed a a crime against nature, quote unquote, uh, with a a 15-year-old boy. Ooh. Um, so like go you know like that's positive to yeah. capture that and stop that yeah don't like <laughs> fuck little kids everybody <laughs> yeah please that's don't that's good <laughs> um, so then after like when this happened everyone just went even way more crazy anonymous calls the police turning in the names of any man who anybody like seed like thought some they somebody was looking at their child too much or their boy too much again who are, was like even remotely flamboyant or you know, just some shit like that. We're just getting calls of like, this person is also in this ring. I believe this person also wants to fuck my child. Like literally stuff like that. Um, and this witch hunt went into full swing. Just That's totally crazy. full swing. I would call and be like, Bishop so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it even got so intense that this is a real story. One man, a teacher who was so terrified upon reading the arrest of Moore, said he overheard it at breakfast and left the city for San Francisco that morning, not informing the school that he was leaving and didn't even finish his breakfast. He literally said he read it. Holy shit. Walked upstairs, packed his bags, and left for San Francisco. Holy before shit. The, before, like, it could get any worse. Um, I mean, that could have saved 
saved him from going to jail. Oh yeah. Um, which is this is a little surprising. Um, and isn't as like you know sensational or as much suspectacle. But the press realized what was happening and the fact that what they had been doing over the past few days. Um, or a couple weeks, like, had just made everybody go insane. So the press did start saying, hey, we don't need this to be a witch hunt. You don't need to per- uh, point out every specific person. You do not, do not like, hurt these people. We are not supposed to arrest these people. We are supposed to oh, weed them out, and then, fu- like, which is still witch honey, and then get them psychological help because it oh. is 1955. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this then turns to national news cover. Time Magazine publishes an article called The Idaho Underworld, which talks about just literally focus on the fact that there is a widespread homosexual underground that are a quote unquote widespread homosexual underground that had preyed on hundreds of teenage boys for the past decade. That's in time magazine. In Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Um, so we'll have times have changed. Oh yeah. So then on December 22nd, uh, Boise hires a new specific private investigator who had done, who had, has done homosexual like investigation work in the state department which is like because specifically of the red scare and you could say the lavender scare because that is the gay version of the red scare Mm. um which we've mentioned about the purple rhino oh yeah the lavender rhino yeah flashback friday yeah that was from like what two years ago (laughs) oh yeah so with this dude you can literally just think of this dude as like that uh that shitty sheriff dude that we talked about during the witch hunts or the, or the oh. bold, bold uh, like ironic just the Salem witch trials where he was just convicting more people and totally fine with it. So Fairchild, uh, that's his last name, William Fairchild, this private investigator, when he came in, the like prosecutions went from a hundred to 500 <laughs> or not, not prosecutions, but the suspected number of homosexuals under his lead went up from a hundred to 500. That's like the um, whole fucking town. Oh, like literally. Oh, <laughs> Every my, man in, Boise in, Boise. in 1955. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think you're gay. They're like, I just moved here. <laughs> Fucking yeah, fuck. you're a faggot. <laughs> like, you're. I think you're a faggot. Um. So he through looks the... in the mirror. He's like, <laughs> he's like, are like, you? Holy fuck. <laughs> However, these investigations were carried out over the next month, and they only figured out that four to six boys had done anything sexual at all with with the with the men that were prosecuted. Um, they were basically turned out to be prostitutes uh, that were getting paid five to ten dollars to do stuff with these men, which is so glad that we figured this out. They could help these boys and then, you know, send those men to jail because yeah. fuck that. Um, they actually even figured out that one of these boys was the son of a Boise City Council member. And this was a whole fiasco that I could Drama. go off for for about three minutes, but I'm not. Drama. We need to move on. Um, at the the end of the investigation. Uh, happened on December 29th of 1955 when there is a guy by the name of William Harvey, Harvey Baker who was involved in all of this and who was the main prosecutor against the Moore dude, the Citibank guy. He admitted to shooting and killing his father. That happened for some reason <laughs> between the time that this all started over the next month. I don't Maybe know why. And I tried gay. to figure out because I, I want it to be some crazy conspiratorial He's like, shit. my dad's gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when Baker was convicted of manslaughter um, on June of 1956 and sentenced to 10 years in prison, this basically um, made his convictions like, you know, it lowered his public opinion, which uh, hindered and like hurt his uh, like all of his uh, testimony, sorry, Mm. which hindered his testimony. And so basically the people that had been prosecuted and the witch hunt that had happened um, along with the media saying, hey, we need to slow the fuck down. And then some of the public responding to this were like, okay, maybe we overreacted and we need to chill the fuck out, (laughs) which is actually pretty surprising. Yeah. So uh, that all happened and everything sort of just died out like slowly over time. And it was like, okay, cool. It was like, that was a weird year. (laughs) Yeah. During this, 16 men were prosecuted and 12 men were convicted of various sex crimes that range from uh, five to 15 years to life in prison. Jesus. Um, and of, of these various sex crimes, three of them, only three out of these uh, 12, uh, were only specifically about being like pedophilia. So all the other ones so, just for being gay. So all the other ones are were just for being gay. However, I'm not sure if some of those were involved, but they just got off with a lower sentence. Mm-hmm. But it is it is like the reason why this is such a modern day like noteworthy scandal is because 
at least like half of these dudes were just sentenced to five to 15 years in prison because they were gay. And there was the sex scandal or the lavender scare part of the, you know, red scare or the communism scare of the fifties. Um, so, uh, as I said, as I already said about that, like the whole cold war politics shit going on with the red scare and stuff. Uh, there's another thing that, that, uh, people suspect why this happened. So, um, there is a book titled The Boys of Boise. Um, <laughs> that sounds fun. I like The Boys that. of Boise. The Boys of Boise. Um, Soon you're going to be a boy of Boise. <laughs> I'm going to be a boy of Boise. <laughs> um, so there's this dude who wrote it, my name, John Gerasi, and he suggests that the investigation began as a means. So like the initial investigation of the YMCA, there's it's very murky of like, why did this private investigator start the private? We know that the private investigator was hired by one of the like, you know, political and wealthy elite of Boise. Why did he care about this YMCA specifically? Yeah. Like, why the fuck even care? Yeah. Um, he did because he has no reason to care about some like homeless dude boys like, you know, being being prostitutes. Yeah. He doesn't. So but there's been a lot of speculation of like, why the fuck did he care and stuff like that? So he um, claims that uh, the investigation began as a means for the wealthy elite of Boise to assert and maintain economical control of the city and the state. He suggests that a gay there is a there was a gay millionaire in the in in Boise referred to as the Queen. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> I like want to play a video game now. Yes. With this. <laughs> Who was the target of this probe trying to find some? find some negative connection to homosexuality to then start a gay witch hunt to oh. then fit to then try and find some connection to one figure out who the queen was by scaring other gays into giving them information and oh, then two shit. trying to connect this pedophilia to the queen to get him arrested and sent out of boise so Fuck. they could get the faggot who has money out of their way Holy isn't that shit. crazy <laughs> that's crazy whoever the queen is so fuck yeah i i want like call me yeah they're old they're they're probably dead by now oh well if you're like or if you're like one of their ancestors call me because that's fun um so yeah so that's what they think is like they're just on the hunt for the queen the queen bee and they think the reason why like attesting to this whole conspiracy is like the reason why it also stopped weirdly um as a result just of that because it's just weird like the boy kills his father and they don't know why. And then, like, all of a sudden the police are like, okay, cool. We'll just sort of stop then and, like, stop all of this, Maybe. which is a re- weird reason why. But they think that it's because when they did this investigation and started, like, weeding out and gay witch hunting, they realized that there were a lot more homosexual men that were involved in every class level of society. Mm. That they were like, I don't think we, like, this is too big of a thing. We can't just, like, get rid of all these people and, like, find out who the queen is. So they were just like, okay, cool. Like, gays are too ubiquitous in our society, so I guess we'll chill out and stop. Or alternate theory, (laughs) that dad that got killed was the queen. Ooh, and he figured out. He oh my figured God. out that his dad was the queen. That's so he killed story. the queen, and that's <laughs> that's, that's a movie. <laughs> that's the movie right there. <laughs> but yeah, that is the Boise homosexuality scandal of 1955. <laughs> cool. And when Corey moves there in a week, there's going to be the Boise homosexuality sc- scandal Ooh, of 2020. Of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm the new queen, bitch. Yes, bitch. You walk in with like a crown on. Your parents are like, oh, God, what? Like, hey, no. Your, your dad's like, you're gay? <laughs> He's like, what? He's like, oh, my God. You, you've been gay this whole time. It's Holy not just shit. a face. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really funny. I literally just searched like gay Boise stuff one day because I was trying to find some info. On Pornhub. And then this came up and I was like, what the fuck? That's so <laughs> that, crazy. I'm doing that as a fucking faggot fact. Let's move on to my super, not my supernatural segment. My true, I, I tricked you guys. I do supernatural <laughs> now. To my true crime segment. Yes. So today I am talking about the murder of James Bulger. Ooh, hot. It sounds like a porn name. It's a two-year-old. Oh. <laughs> every goddamn Fuck, time, Corey. Every, every time. fucking time. Every fucking time. Just don't make jokes God, about the victim. God damn it. I didn't know it was the victim. <laughs> the murder of oh. James Bulger. <laughs> well, we have to re-say all of that. <laughs> no way, Jose. That is too good. God damn it. <laughs> all right. Well, at one point in your life, you have seen an image from a true crime case that you will always remember. Uh-oh. Whether it's Alyssa Lamb on the elevator. Oh, fuck. Or maybe it's some of Jeffrey Dahmer's Polaroids. Ooh. Or maybe... Hold on, let me... 
whether it's Alyssa Lamb on the elevator or maybe some of Jeffrey Dahmer's Polaroids, you've seen a photo or video that has stuck with you. For many people in England, specifically Liverpool, the 1993 surveillance photo of young James Bulger being guided out of the New Strand Shopping Center by two young boys is that image. Is an image they always think about. The surveillance photo is the last image of two-year-old James Bulger alive. A few hours after that final photo, 10-year-old Robert Thompson and John Venables tortured and murdered James Bulger. They were 10? 10 years old. Now, before we get into the into February 12th, 1993, and what happened to poor James Bulger. Is it the one with the yellow jacket? The older kid has the yellow jacket? Yeah. What the fuck? And if you're familiar with a lot of true crime cases, like you've you've seen this photo before. It's It's pretty... It's pretty infamous. Anyways, before we get into that fateful day, let's talk about the 10-year-olds that are responsible. Robert Thompson and John Venables. Venables. It's Venables. Or Venables. Venables. It's it's Venables. Venables. Yeah. Robert Thompson has a sad backstory, <laughs> like everybody. Jenna's having a conversation with herself while I'm like still <laughs> mouth open looking at the photo. Well, because these are British last names. They wouldn't go Venables. Venables. They would go Venables. <laughs> so Robert Thompson and John Venables. They'd Robert, Venables, Robert yeah. Thompson had a sad backstory, you know, which most murders do. Same with John Venables. Yeah, they, they can fuck off. You know, you never really hear of like someone who commits a murder having like a jolly old family history like everything is a perfect childhood and then one day they just killed somebody so robert was one of seven children and he grew up in poverty his mother was an alcoholic and his father would abuse her in front of the kids the father ended up having an affair openly in front of the entire family like would bring the mistress over for like family dinners and shit i was about to joke about that yeah like openly bring the mistress over and if anyone objected he would just scream at them beat them and then threatened to leave them with no money because he was the only one that was that would bring Why home did any he money. Stay with them then? Well eventually he ended up dipping. He he decided he wanted a new life with his Jeez. mistress and he never spoke to his F to his F wife, his ex wife, or his <laughs> kids again. Even at a family funeral a couple of years later, he refused to speak to or even look at his kids. So he just dipped. Like the, he had seven kids with this poor alcoholic woman, who's obviously an alcoholic. She's getting beaten every day. Wait, wait, wait. What, what baffles me more? How do you even show up to any family reunion ever again? Yeah. If you publicly do that. Yeah. He like rolls up. He's like, "Hey, fam." The kids are like, "Dad." He's like, "Oof, no." If I was like a cousin, I'd be like, "Why the fuck are you here?" Yeah. So this guy's not a good guy. Um, this only made Robert's mom alcoholism obviously Ugh. worse. Um, and she could barely take care of her kids. That's so funny. all seven kids were left on their own. So their emotional and physical needs just weren't being met. Not and were never being met for their yeah. entire child for their entire childhood. Now, a few weeks after the dad dipped, their house burned down to the ground, which I'm sure the dad's probably responsible for. What or they really ha- or they have bad luck. So all seven kids and the mom had to spend two months in a small hostel, and then they moved to a tiny house. Uh, like a terrace house and it was teeny 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 for eight people you need a pretty big house and it was tiny um at this point the mom's alcoholism was reaching an all-time high um she would actually keep a bottle under her pillow at night so before she'd go to sleep she would drink then right when she woke up she would drink so it was a 24 7 continuous binge fest the thompson kids obviously started getting into trouble because like duh um, they were physically abandoned by their father and emotionally abandoned by their mom. So, yeah, this is like a recipe for disaster. They started bullying and beating each other. They ditched school. They got into fights at school, petty theft, you know, classic abuse uh-huh. uh, reactions. The abuse was so extreme at the house that the older brothers would threaten to beat or kill the younger brothers if they Damn. went to school. One year, Robert missed 49 out of 140 days of school. It's more than a third of school he just missed, which is insane. Obviously, because he was missing so much school, his grades were dropping, and he ended up being held back a year. And now, whenever Robert wasn't in school, which was often, often. he uh, or whenever he wasn't getting beaten up by getting beaten up by his brothers, he would go to the mall and shoplift. He would usually shoplift things for his little brothers or for his mom. 
um, because they were really, really poor and didn't have much. So he would steal what he could to bring some sort of happiness to his family, which does humanize him a bit. Um, Social workers kept on being called to the house, but nothing ever changed. All seven boys were, were just left alone. The abuse between the brothers was getting more intense, and eventually the mother ended up punching one of her sons, which I'm sure he deserved it. Damn. But Robert called social services and begged them to separate the family because he knew that this family was just going to kill each other. This time, social services took two of the youngest sons out of the home and put them in foster care. Both kids would end up committing suicide later in life. Whoa. Wow. The remaining That's brothers sad. stayed with their mom and continued their normal abusive life. And Robert didn't have many friends until John Venables. So John Venables is one of three siblings. He had a younger sister and older brother. Both of his both of his siblings had learning disabilities. And even though um, John didn't, he would adapt some of their behaviors onto himself to get attention because his siblings always got more attention than he did. John's father believed in extremely traditional family rules. His father's name was Neil. He was the breadwinner. You know, he was the one that went to work. He had rights. While the wife, Susan, she had to stay home and didn't watch the kids, um, she, which was a really demanding job for her to do on her own because with two kids with disabilities, she had her hands full. Um, she always did her best to treat and love each kid equally, but it was easy for John to feel like he wasn't getting attention or wasn't like the favorite because she had to focus her attention on the two other kids. Now, when John was one years old, Susan's father, Susan's his mother, um, he passed away. So Susan's mother um, was really old, couldn't take care of her, couldn't take care of herself. So Susan ended up moving John and the two children with disabilities into the grandparents' home to now also take care of her mother. If she didn't already have enough going on while this was happening, the husband was still working, and he decided that he needed to live in his own apartment to have some peace and quiet from his stressful job. Super equal, right? Like, that's so awesome. He's, he's a great guy. <laughs> I love this guy. Oh, my God. Eventually, what a, what, a bitch. what a fucking dick. Yeah, he's like, I know you're taking care of your dying mother, two kids with disabilities, and our son that's going to end up being a murderer. But, like... But what I, about me? But like my day, my day at the bank was really hard today. So I need to go cheat on you because that's what he totally did in his apartment. Oh yeah. <sighs> oh my god. If yeah. I was, oh my god, if I was her, I'd be like, just don't come back. Yeah, I'd be like, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> Eventually, Susan, her kids, and her mother moved into a new neighborhood, but this was not good for John. John was getting bullied relentlessly by the neighborhood kids. They would throw things at him, beat him make fun of him, make fun of his siblings, and John would get protective over that. that's sad. Make fun of his grandma, make fun of his mom, make fun of the fact that his dad lived in an apartment because his job was so demanding. This (laughs) That one's okay. Yeah, that one's okay. I'd be like, yeah, my dad's a dick. Yeah, I'm like, you can't make fun of me about that because I join you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, yeah, fuck my dad. Uh, This led him to misbehave and have a really difficult time in school. He would rock back and forth at his desk. He would throw things scream at teachers and students. He would slam his head as hard as he could against his desk over and over and over again. He would cry. He would scream. Damn. Do all the things. Susan was called in, and she told the teachers that he actually did the same thing at home. He was quickly getting out of control. Psychologists speculate that he was trying to replicate his sibling's behavior to get the attention he so desperately needed. Also, he hated the school he was at, and he wanted to go to the school that his siblings went to. Because he felt like the school siblings went to was safe and there was no bullies. Yeah. And so psychologists also believe that maybe he was trying to replicate the disabilities so people would believe that he had them. So then he would be, one, given the attention that his siblings got, but two, go to the school so he wouldn't be bullied anymore. Mm, that's sad. Um, his behavior got worse. He would hide under tables where no one could reach him. He would destroy classrooms just like tear shit off walls, flip desks, yeah. like punch people in the face. Crap. He would cut himself with scissors. He tried to strangle a student with a ruler, and he, he, he was what? using so oh, much like force. A roller tape. Yeah, he was he was using so much force that it took two grown men teachers to pull him off. And he's a ten year old. He had so much like adrenaline and strength. Two grown ass people to pull off a ten year old from another ten year old. The school suspended him for two days for that. But his mother decided as punishment that she was going to keep him away from school for 10 weeks. 
So because he was gone from school for so long, obviously his grades dropped, so he had to be held back a year. Also at this point, the mother and the school decided it was best to switch him schools because clearly it wasn't really working. So they switched him to the same school that Robert Thompson was at. And Robert Thompson was also held back a year. Fuck. So John Venables, Venables met Robert Thompson, and it was a match made in hell. Both boys didn't have a good relationship with their fathers. Both boys were emotionally abandoned by their mothers. Both boys were bullied. Both boys were poor. Bo- both boys were put back a year in school. Both boys hated everyone in the world. And the two two boys just immediately became best friends. Because why wouldn't they? They were the same. They were so identical. It's all it's creepy actually how how parallel their lives have been. Um, and they together they started ditching school, shoplifting, bullying, and just being fucking assholes together. And eventually the two went from fucking assholes to murderers. Sounds gay. So it was a typical February day in Liverpool. Robert and John ditched school and they went to the model shop they went to the mall to shoplift and get into whatever trouble they get into. Throughout the day, they were seen stealing various items, including, including, including candy, a troll doll, some batteries, and a can of blue paint. At one point, they got bored and decided to spice things up, so they wanted to steal a kid. They wanted to steal a kid, lead them to a busy road, and then push them into traffic, you know, just to see what would happen. Totally normal 10-year-old things to do, right? Oh, my God. Totally normal. To this day, no one really knows how it escalated to <laughs> let's steal a kid. No one even knows the real motive because they don't even really know well, I mean, the you're motive. Ten and you have a messed up childhood. Yeah, and to That's this day, like we still don't really know who was the instigator, the ringleader. It was probably just both. So they started prowling around the mall, looking for any opportunity to steal a kid. James Bolger was not the first child that the pair tried to abduct inside a department store. A woman noticed that two boys were trying to get her kid's attention. Moments later, her three-year-old daughter and two-year-old son were missing. She quickly found her daughter but couldn't find her son anywhere. Frantically, she yelled at her daughter, Where is he? Where did they go? And the daughter responded, he gone outside with the boy. So the mom sprinted outside and she saw both Robert and John beckoning a boy to follow them. What the fuck? When John saw the mom, they told the, go- the boy to go back to her, and they sprinted and ran away. The boys ran away, went back inside the mall from, like, the other entrance of the mall, and they continued their search for prey. That didn't scare them off. They continued looking. That's and- so crazy that, like, because, you know, sometimes as kids you do come up with something that's really stupid but, like, slightly, like, evil, you know, like kids do that sometimes, but then they'll like. I'm like, no. <laughs> Flashback to you as a kid. You're like, what if we like fucking kill this person? I was like punching cats. In yeah. The face. I'm like, cool. So Corey and I aren't friends anymore. But, no, but you know, you, you hear stories about that. You're like, I don't know why. Like you, you find your child or they'll somebody will find their child doing something like really randomly, like slightly evil. Yeah. But, but they just don't because they just don't know to a point. Yeah. I mean, these guys are nine or ten, so they do know. But it's like, and you know, like you find the kid doing that, and then when they get caught, they immediately are like, "Oh, like this is bad," and they get it. But these kids like just did not. Yeah, they they just went back. They said, "Dang, wasn't those two? Guess we'll go find someone else." So they just walked into the mall again, looking for their looking for their prey, and finally they spotted James Bolger. Two year old James was with his mother Denise while she ran her weekly errands. The two held hands as they walked around the mall and finally got to a butcher shop. Denise looked down at James. They smiled at each other. Her order was ready, so she looked up at the counter, dropped James's hand, reached inside her purse, pulled out some money, handed the money to the checkout guy, grabbed her order, and looked down to grab James's hand. And there was a bicycle on the ground. With the spinning with wheel. The spin- <laughs> oh, no, are you kidding? That's it. But James wasn't there. No. She looked oh around God. calling Everyone for James. Everyone your child to your goddamn <laughs> Now I understand the leashes. <laughs> but she looked around calling for James and not seeing him immediately started to panic. She Wait, be- no, I don't believe you. She I don't began- believe you that all she did was pay for her meat. It just took her a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. She began running around the mall frantically yelling for James. She ran to security and described what he looked like, and an announcement was made over the speaker. But by that time, 
James Bulger was gone. Denise begged security to pull the CCTV footage, like the security footage. Oh, my God. Um, begging them to help her find her beloved Jamie, her little Jamie boy. Oh. They pulled up the recordings and at 3.42 p.m. saw James being led out of the mall by two, what they believed at the time, were teenagers. Yeah, they look like, in that picture, they look like teenagers. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't believe their eyes. Like, two young children had James. And at 4.14 p.m., the police were called and James Bulger was reported missing. All it took was her, you know, not pay attention for maybe two minutes, maybe three minutes max as she was, like, fumbling in her wallet. That's it. Oh, my God. After Robert and John led little Jamie out of the mall, James started crying and screaming for his mom. They ignored him, grabbed his hand, and forced him to walk towards a canal. At the canal, they picked up James, dropped him on his head. James started screaming, and his forehead was cut, bloody, and bruised, and a woman passed by, noticed it, looked the situation, and kept going. You're going to get frustrated. <laughs> get ready, Corey. Fuck her. Get oh, Get ready. It's like, it makes my blood boil, all this stuff. Then Robert and John forced James to to stand up, pulled his hood over his head to cover the injury, and they started walking. The three walked past shops, buildings, parking lots, cafes, and high-traffic streets. Over 30 people saw Robert and John dragging an injured James, and they said nothing. Later, one witness said they noticed dried tears all across James' face. Other witnesses later remember seeing fuck? James laughing while others remember him resisting and screaming for his mom and fighting back. One person even saw Thompson kick Bulger in the ribs for resisting and still no one did anything. Oh my God. At one point, a woman saw Robert, last name Thompson, um, punch James and start shaking him as they passed her home. And instead of going out to see what happened, she pulled her curtains and locked the door. There was a glimmer oh of hope God. for James. An elderly woman saw him crying and she noticed his injuries. So she approached the trio to inquire what was wrong. Robert and John said, we just found him at the bottom of the hill. Like he got hurt and we're just taking him to get help. Oh. The woman believed it. And then suggested that they take the boy to the police station. Robert and John agreed and continued walking with James. As the old woman watched them walk away, another woman walked up and said that she was concerned too. However, she saw James laughing at them a few minutes ago, so she just assumed that they're helping him because he got hurt and they're just helping him. Why, why do you just let two 10-year-olds walk off with an injured 2-year-old? You're an adult. Right. I'd be like, no, you're coming inside until, or sit on my porch. Until... Until, it's a different time. This is in the oh 90s. Oh, God. So a few hours later, this elderly woman turned on her news, and she saw James's face plastered everywhere. She just broke Fuck. down, and she called police, and she told them what happened and expressed regret and guilt for not doing oh, anything. Oh, that poor girl. Now, after the trio walked away from the old lady, they were approached by another another person, another glimmer of hope, a young woman with the with, the, with like a baby um, stopped them to ask them what happened. Like, why was James bleeding and bruised and crying? Um, she told the two boys that she would take James to the police slash the hospital so they didn't have to because they're little boys. She's a grown-ass woman. However, when she asked her friend to watch her baby to take while she took James in, her friend refused because she said, my dog doesn't like kids. So because <laughs> this woman couldn't get someone to watch her daughter, she said, okay, I guess I can't take him. Do you guys promise to take him to the police station? And they said yes. <laughs> so once again, James Bulger was taken away from hope. Oh, my God. As the trio continued on, more people stopped them, and every one of them let them go. Even two boys stopped them, two boys that knew Robert and John, and they asked them who was this little kid. Robert said it was a younger brother, which they believed because Robert had seven siblings. Oh, my God. And... Robert told him to fuck off, so the two boys left. Finally, after walking two and a half miles, which is a lot for a two-year-old. Yeah, that's a ton. Being seen by 38 people. 38 people fuck who could have prevented this. <laughs> the boys led Jamie Bulger up a steep bank to a railway line near the disused Walton and Anfield Railway Station. Close to the Anfield Cemetery, less than 200 yards away from a police station. Sometime between 5.45 p.m. and 6.30 p.m., the two began torturing and eventually killed James. Oh, my God. They tortured him? What the fuck? So I'm going to go through what happens to him right now for the next minute. So just skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. What happens? 
So Robert and jo- Robert and John uh, bought or stole that blue paint I mentioned earlier, and like the batteries and all that shit that they stole. So immediately the first thing they did is they threw the blue paint and they spl- at James and it splashed him in his left eye. Ouch. Then they kicked him. Then they threw him on the ground and they started stomping on him. They pummeled him with bricks and stones. They stuffed stolen batteries in his mouth and his anus. They stripped him naked and ripped his foreskin all the way back. They beat his face with rocks and fists and then finally dropped a 22-pound iron bar on his head. All in all, two-year-old James Boulder sustained 42 injuries to his face, head, and body. He was so badly battered that authorities later concluded that there was no way to tell which injury represented the fatal blow. Yeah. After little Jamie was viciously murdered, the two boys placed his body on the train track and weighed his head down with rocks in the hopes that a train would hit him and make the death appear to be an accident. After they left the scene, his body was cut in half by a train. Oh, fuck. Now, police were looking everywhere for James. James's picture and info was everywhere. The CCTV picture of James, everywhere. I'm talking every single news channel in England, nationwide, everywhere it was blasting off and dozens of witnesses called police provided details which helped narrow down the suspects to young boys now remember they originally thought it was 13 or 14 but now they're starting to think maybe these boys are a little bit younger because those 38 people who witnessed them are starting to finally speak up yeah they also now had some specific areas to look at now initially police and jamie's parents were actually when they first saw the cctv picture they were actually relieved that two young boys had James because they... Yeah, you're like, okay, cool. This is just some fluke. Something yeah. happened. Like, yeah. James just went off to play with them. Maybe <laughs> those, like, young boys didn't know how to return him. You you would never just jump to the conclusion that two young boys would viciously and brutally murder, like torture and murder anybody under a young... the age of 14. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, imagine if you had a kid and you saw a picture of your kid walking off with another kid or an adult. <laughs> I would be much more freaked out if my kid is walking <laughs> off with another adult. <laughs> So, be like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, but if a kid, I'm like, they're probably playing, got lost or something. Yeah. They just didn't think that it was possible that two young children could be responsible for oh a God. violent crime. So they just assumed that Jamie went off to play with the two young boys. Maybe they just didn't know how to get back or, I don't know, just trying to figure out some reason as to why Jamie wasn't back yet. But all hope crashed into a million pieces on February 14th, two days after he disappeared. Okay. A group of young children, young children, were playing at the railroad track while they discovered the cut-up body of James Bolger. Uh-huh. Um, all of the instruments used in the attack were found all around the area. The iron bar, the stones, the bricks, all covered in the boys' blood. And the stolen tin of blue paint was also found. Um, so now police had the body, they had the weapons, and they now have the realization that two young children were most likely responsible. Police checked nearby schools absentee lists for the day of the disappearance. Um, this caused various children to be identified as potential killers. Even parents were reporting their own kids. It was hysterical. Like, everyone was going crazy about this. Oh my God. The breakthrough came when a friend of John Venable's mother recognized John in the CCTV image and knew that he liked to ditch school with Robert Thompson. So she contacted the police and gave them their names and their information. So police went and visited their homes. Police noticed immediately that both boys had blue paint on their jackets and blood on their shoes. So they took their shoes and clothing and as evidence and everything and had everything tested. Sure enough, the paint matched the paint found at the scene. The blood matched James. The pattern of on Robert's shoe matched the pattern on James's body, and the toe cap and shape of John's shoe matched marks on James's body. So they brought in the boys for questioning. And after several long days, police finally had a breakthrough because the yeah. boys started breaking. They are only ten years old, yeah, and they are purposefully separated completely and had no contact oh, yeah. with one another. So they had no idea what the other boy was saying, and their stories obviously didn't match. They were getting caught up on lies. They were 10. Like, you can't... You're 10. Like, you can't possibly get away with this. this. Venables started having these huge emotional outbursts. Rob stayed calm. He would randomly have freakouts, but he would stay calm. Finally, Venables' (laughs) mom (laughs) looked at him and said, I will love you no matter what. Now, please tell the truth. So Venables took a breath and then confessed. He said, I did kill him. What about his mom? Will you tell her I'm sorry? 
Slowly, Venables told police the entire story and described every excruciating detail of the murder. Robert, on the other hand, continued denying any involvement. Police even told him that Venables confessed to everything because they knew it happened, but Robert, in quotes, totally denied everything, said Detective Sergeant Phil Roberts. But in the end, he shot himself in the foot by giving a detailed account of what James Bolger was wearing. Nevertheless, throughout the entire process, though, Robert Thompson remained chillingly unfazed, um, earning him the nickname The Boy Who Did Not Cry from the press. Damn. The boys were each charged with the murder of James Bolger as minors on February 20th, 1993, and they appeared at the South Sefton Youth Court on February 22nd, 1993, um, where they were, were... where they were remanded in custody to wait trial. Did they do they ever like describe why they kept him with him? So there's Or why didn't they just bail and run away? So there's over 20 hours of interviews. I listened like an hour ish, yeah. but there's a lot and they're little kids talking, so it was hard for me to understand what they're saying. Um, no, like to this day, there no one knows the motive. No one knows why. Did the kid, like, are the kids alive? The kids are. I'll get to that. Because they're our age now. Well, yeah. they're ten years. They're, they're ten in nineteen ninety-three. They're yeah. almost forty. Yeah. I'll get to that. So. Fuck. In the aftermath of their arrest and throughout the and throughout the media accounts of the trial, the boys were referred to as Child A, which was Thompson, and Child uh-huh. B, which is Venables. Even though the boys' identities were hidden at this time. Uh, because they're minors, people still found out. In fact, the parents of both kids had to be moved to different parts of the country and, and get new identities because of death threats. Oh, yeah. Now, at the trial, there were around 500 protesters gathered outside the gates. Uh, people were screaming for justice, screaming for adult sentencing. As an adult? Pro- yeah, protesting for death sentences, saying kill the damn bastards, Oof. the whole thing. They are almost rioting. It was damn. so intense. Um, the full trial opened at Preston Crown Court on November 1st, 1993. Each boy sat in view of the court on raised chairs. They put, like, books on the chairs because the boys were so little. They couldn't see. Shit. If you look at the mugshots of the boys, they look like they're eight or nine. They do, yeah. Um, and they're accompanied by two social workers, and they're completely separated from their parents. Um, at the trial, the lead prosecution counsel, Richard Henrique, Henriques, successfully... <laughs> <laughs> Henriques? Henrik's? Yeah. I don't know. I can't see the name. You know, it doesn't matter. Some dude yeah, named Richard. Some, Some dude named dude. Dick. Some he dude. successfully rebutted the principle of Dolly and Capax, which presumes <laughs> that I looked it up. That's how you say it. Nice. It's probably not anymore. But which <laughs> presumes that young children cannot be held legally responsible for their actions. Fuck. Thompson and Venables were considered by the court to be capable of mischievous discretion, meaning in... What? <laughs> meaning an ability to act with criminal intent as they were mature no, enough you to understand killed somebody, that they were doing you something that was seriously wrong. You killed somebody by Felicia. Thompson and Venables did not speak during the trial, and the case against them was based to a large extent on the more of the 20 hours of tape-recorded police interviews that I just mentioned, um, and they were played during court. Now, the prosecution admitted a number of exhibits during the trial, including a box of 27 bricks, a blood-stained stone, Boulder's underwear, the rusty iron bar, all is evidence. The, path- the pathologist spent 33 minutes outlining the injuries sustained by Boulder. Uh, many of those to his legs had been inflicted after he was stripped down from the wa- stripped from the waist down. Oh. Brain damage was extensive and included a hemorrhage. The boys, at this by this time, were aged 11, were found guilty of the murder at the Preston Court on November 24th, 1993, becoming the youngest convicted murderers of the 20th century. Damn. The judge, Mr. Justice Moreland, told Thompson and Venables that they had committed a crime of, in quotes, unparalleled evil and barbarity. In my judgment, your conduct was both cunning and very wicked. Yeah. Um, that kind of reminds me of the Ted Bundy the, oh, the shockingly evil, evil and, and vile, vile wicked. and wicked. Yeah. Moreland sentenced them to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure with the recommendation that they should be kept in custody for very, very many years to come, recommending a minimum term of eight years. Eight. Damn. At the close of the trial, the judge lifted reporting restrictions and allowed the names and mugshots of the killers to be released. Fuck. Um, saying, I did this because the public interest overrode the interests of the defendants. There was a need for an informed public debate on crimes committed by young children. True. Now, there's a lot of um, 
arguments against him doing this because they were only 10 yeah. and like releasing their images and their names and all that stuff like i guess was pretty inappropriate but i don't know i agree that these kids killed a, eh. a these kids killed a two-year-old yeah. they can live they, with the they consequences tortured and killed a two-year-old so sexually this, tortured and killed a two-year-old. so the sentencing was really controversial because saint majesty's pleasure is aka bougie jail um, so oh. you know, eight years at her Majesty's cl- at her Majesty's pleasure as a consequence of murder, England was outraged. Petitions, protests, club, another club, another club. It was going on. Everyone was complaining. Everyone demanding justice, but nothing came well, I mean, of it. Where are you going to send them? Robert and John spent the next eight years at Her Majesty's pleasure, which is a rehabilitation uh. jail center for violent youths. After eight years, the James Bulger killers were to be assessed, and if they were deemed to be um, a danger, if they weren't deemed to be a danger to society, they would be released. Well, during those eight years, they went through, you know, intense therapy. Yeah. Because duh, they had a private education, participated in sports, got weekly allowances, were Whoa. allowed to visit friends and family, what? went to amusement parks, learned how to play instruments, participated no. in sporting leagues. All on the taxpayer's dime. Uh, yes. Holy fuck. Had once a week outings around Our England. Our systems are broken. Had vacations. <laughs> where if they, All they needed was permission and they can pretty much go wherever they want as long as they had a supervisor. Their families can take them out to go do fun things. So they got better lives out of it. Yes. Her Which is another attestment to our system being broken. Yes. Her Majesty's pleasure is like a bougie boarding school. Some punishment for murder. Oh, I thought you said right? a bougie jail. Sorry. It's a, it is like a bougie jail boarding school. Oh, it's a bo- – oh, God. Um, so, well, after eight years of seriously feeling the consequences of murder, because, you know, <laughs> going to amusement parks is a really good punishment. Like they had the life they would never get. The two were released in 2001 and given full anonymity because their lives would be at risk if people knew who they were. What could go wrong, right? Oh, my God. Imagine marrying them and then, like, them being like, hey, babe. That's funny you actually said that because Robert Thompson uh, is believed to be assimilating back into society and living a quiet life with his husband. And his husband knows his true identity. So... Robert Thompson is fine ever since no. he got oh, out. Man. That would be he is oh my God. married. Life's has hard a, enough already. Yeah, married as a dog, but he has not committed any crimes. So since. Robert Thompson is a gay man married to a man. Yeah, and I guess you can say he was successfully rehabilitated. Good job, Her Majesty's pleasure, because he's living a normal, quiet life now. I mean, like I guess if it. Well, the same cannot be said for John Venables. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess if you produce less negativity in the end, like, isn't that the goal, right? Yeah, but also, but like, also like James Bolger was two years old and got I, murdered. I, no, yeah, I fucking, I fucking know. Yeah, I say that like disillusioned. There's, there's definitely arguments for both. I watched an interesting documentary today about this, where, where you're trying to hear and understand the other side, yeah. like why. The rehabilitation, like why it's important, because I do understand, yeah, like yeah, jail should rehabilitate. Yeah, exactly. However, so I get that. If these like, kids were this capable, this is a two-year-old kid. <laughs> if these, yeah, if these kids were capable of such a violent, horrific crime, <laughs> I don't know if rehabilitation was the best call for people yeah, like, like this. What, yeah, uh, because God. John Venable. So in 2010, nine years after he got out, after you know murdering a two-year-old. Uh huh. He was in prison for downloading images of depicting various kinds of sexual abuse being inflicted upon male toddlers. James Bolger was a male toddler. He became eligible for parole in 2013. So wait, but this is not the guy who's married. No, this is the other guy, John Venables. Okay. The guy who's got married, I don't know what... It's actually illegal to look up anything about them, like, today. Like, if we were in England... And you wanted to find out the real identities or their addresses, like you can go to jail for look Ooh, for trying to look into it. That's crazy. Yeah, because they gave them full anonymity. So like, like if I was searching forever. under like a UK web, but like in other countries it doesn't matter. Yeah, because like in other countries it doesn't matter. It's not like they could look up this case. That's not illegal. What's yeah. illegal is trying to find this person, hiring <laughs> I'm a like, detective. Where does John Denables? Live. Yeah, like John Venables now. John Venables now. Private detective to find John Venables, please. Craigslist man seeking John Venables. Man like that seeking. shit is illegal. So in 2010, John Venables in prison for downloading pics of male toddlers being sexually abused. Yeah, you know, him. he killed a male toddler. So obviously, there's a connection there. Damn. He became eligible for parole in 2013. 
at which the time Ralph Bolger, which was James' father, told the parole board that he could never forgive his son's killers, that Venables should not be released. Agreed. Like, this is sh- telling you he shouldn't be released. Like, it's he already killed he a two-year-old. Not a rehabilitated. Yeah. You have failed with him. But nevertheless, he was released, given a new identity. Oh, my God. But in November 2017, guess what happened? He raped he, a boy. He was again imprisoned when more child abuse images and pedophile manual that provided instructions on how to have sex with kids were discovered on his computer. He was sentenced to three years and four months in prison. He'll be released soon if he hasn't been already. Your third sexual abuse for toddlers. One's a murder. Accusation. The other two. One being a murder. And you are only sent to jail for four years. Yeah. But if somebody has weed on them three times, they go to jail for life. Yeah. So. He, what the fuck? I mean, different different countries. Different but country. What the yeah. Fuck. He'll be released soon if he hasn't been already. This time when he gets released again, they're gonna give him a brand new identity, or they're thinking of of shipping him to Canada or Australia, but also with a brand new identity. But either way, they're gonna keep protecting him because you know. That's what that's what we do in this world. That's what we do with our money. <laughs> so poor little James Bolgers, two-year-old little James Bolgers, walking throughout the mall, holding his mom's hand for one second, let go of his mom's hand, and he heard out of the corner, "Come here, baby boy," and he turned around. He saw John Venables and Robert Thompson Damn. grab his hand, lead him out of the mall, and eventually brutally tortured and murdered him. And to this day, both those murderers are free. Damn. So, so Corey. <laughs> when I say John, oh, so we don't even know what they look like. We can only get pictures of, of the dad. Of their kids. Yeah, we don't, even, we don't even know what they look like now. John Venables or Robert Thompson. Maybe on the black one. <laughs> you're like, whoosh, put on your detective face. Like in six months from now, you're like, so Corey's in, in Britain jail. In Britain jail. But don't worry, he'll be out in like a day apparently because nothing's <laughs> yeah, serious. Right? Yeah, right. No, you know what? I bet you you go to jail for like for a longer period of for time than what they. a longer period of time than, than if than I had child porn. Fuck that. Fuck that shit. So anyways, Corey, how was your sex life? Damn. Yeah, that's like crazy fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a gnarly one. That's that's ridiculous. I don't I don't understand. Like, it, how do we know that like that guy is married to another dude and that's like his life? How I read do, it in like a few sources in like a documentary. Somebody so. has tried to get private investigators. Probably yeah. or yeah, like someone obviously knows they're probably got in jail, but the damn was imagine, released. I have to stay close. Imagine just like. I don't know. You're like six months, and I'm like Chana. Like I really love this guy, and he's like <laughs> this hot out. British dude. And then just like out of nowhere, he's just like, "Hey, if I feel like we might get married, so like I have to tell you." I would break up with him. There's no I, way I couldn't. I'd break up with him. I'd be like, "You're gonna do this again. I'm never having kids with you. Get the yeah, fuck away from I'd me." Be like, Straining order. I, I don't think I would be. I don't think I would be cruel. But I would just be like, "I'm sorry." Like, I think no. I would. If I oh. if if he told me. If Jordan I mean, came who, to me, you're not who you are when you're 10, so I get that. But, like, I mean, I remember when I was 10, I remember what I was doing. But, like, all it would take is, like, if I looked up, if, if Jordan came up to me and he said I was responsible for, for James Bolger's death, I would look up what happened to James Bolger. That's true. And that's the tor- would- Yeah. If it was just a murder, I would, I don't think, I would, I mean, still, I'd be like, no, thanks. Yeah. If it was manslaughter <laughs> or something, then like. That's fine. I would totally forgive that person. But if it's, like, murder, I'd be like, no, thank you. And then the, 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 the like, the sexual brutality. torture yeah. and that, I'd be like, I, I don't think I'd still be, I'd be like, fuck you, bye. But I wouldn't be like. I don't know. I don't think I'd go off about them. I don't know. Who knows? I, I would. Know. I, I would be like, you just child, get the fuck out of my life. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would be like, get the fuck out of my life. Fuck you. Yeah. I'd be like, you're evil. Sorry. Yeah, I don't yeah, care how much Sir Majest- Her true. Majesty's pleasure changed you. What you did to this kid is unforgivable. That's true. That kid Agreed. could be alive right now. Agreed. That's very true. And like, what like what did that kid miss out on that you got instead? So yeah. Fuck and, that. And, yeah. And you got like, you got you, this your life only life. improved because of what you did. Yeah, you got like the silver spoon life all of a sudden because of what you did. Like, yeah, fuck that. You were shit. rewarded. They were rewarded for their actions. It was like so insane. That's so fucking ridiculous. But yeah, then this is also one of the classic cases where when you talk about children doing violent crimes, there's always the the arguments: should they be tried as children? Should they be tried as adults? Yeah. There's always that classic argument. I mean, with ten's all pretty these. old. And yeah, and it's always like the it should be very it should be circumstantial. Yeah. And I feel like if you're ten and then you 
torture and sexually torture and then kill somebody yeah like, yeah you're fucking like, like you're probably you're going to jail <laughs> like you should go to jail for life bye like maybe we'll, t- we'll or like psychiatric jail for life yeah, yeah. there's something needs to change here because yeah it's it's so Sorry. crazy. Could you imagine if you're 10, though, and your friend was like, you're at the mall, your friend's like, do you want to go steal a kid? I'd be like, Becky, what the fuck? <laughs> I'd be like, where did that idea come from? I want hot dog on the stick. I'd be like, why is that even, like, crossing your mind right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm like, like I, I want to go to Claire's. I Pokemon cards. Like, what <laughs> the goddamn fuck? <laughs> I just want to go to Claire's and eat hot dog on the stick, Becky. Like, I don't understand <laughs> this Christ. idea of murdering a child all of a sudden. Lord. But that's the story of James Bulger. God. That's a fucked up one. It's a fucked up one. It's like almost up there with that whole neighborhood just punching that girl in the Susan basement. Susan No, the shit. Susan Atkins Charles Manson girl. What's what's that kid's name? Uh, I fucking hate that. Yeah. I fucking hate that story. That's I hate that's like the worst one to me. To me, that that's my, that's like top 5 worst one. Cuz it's just one. like unwarranted like evil. Well, in the toy box. But th- that one, yeah, but like it fits into the whole mold of just like sick guys being sick horrible human beings but it still has that community aspect yeah it still has that community aspect and the dog thing is just sylvia likens that's her name so yeah but that one is just like it's fucked up like kids coming and beating up a girl i just like don't i don't even get how you like there's so many so many people needed to be horrible human beings right it's just like i don't get it i don't get it it's it's a scary world we live in because like those kids beaten raped and abused Sylvia Likens for like years. These two kids murdered a two-year-old boy for no reason. Like, fuck, mm. what else is out there? What's your 10-year-old doing, everybody? Watch your goddamn yeah, kids. Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, when you always have those stories every few years where like kids are trying to mimic what they see on TV and accidentally well, hang one of their friends. Yeah. And stuff like that. What'd you say? Slenderman. The most like well, classic and then Slenderman. one. Yeah. Well, that one is like a little more intense, but no, but there's really stories where like kids will be just like reenacting a hanging because they're playing cops and robbers or mm-hmm. stuff like that or they and get they get a gun yeah and then they'll hang their friend Ugh. and the friend will die and they're because they're like five yeah or six they just don't know Ugh, god yeah it's fucked up watch your kids maybe yeah hide if, your kids hide your wife if you think your kid's like <laughs> capable of doing this though like go throw your kid in jail oh my god <laughs> go like call someone immediately and like i don't know go figure it good luck good luck it's <laughs> yeah. like lord jesus mm, anyways everybody how's your sex <laughs> life <laughs> i want to get over with cory sad i'm gonna go home bye everybody <laughs> see you next week sad. remember to watch the purge <laughs>